Welcome back to the NBA Recap Show on the Mojo Sports Network. I'm your host, Alexander J. With me, Yuri Bilsic, Tom Dev, in the studio and by studio, I mean on Zoom. Yuri, how are you, mate? Great, Alex. And as always, it's fantastic to have a chat with you and Tom and dissect what's been happening in the FIBA World Cup. Unfortunately, it's not the great news for the boomers that we all wish for right before the tournament began. But we'll get into that's that. The way it is. Yeah, we'll get and into that. Yeah, so much more. So great to be on as always. Tom, what's going on? I know there's no uh, footy for you in Melbourne this weekend, so you're just hanging out doing nothing all weekend or what? Yeah, no, very quiet weekend, you know. I, I, may, I may have uh, forced my friends at about 1am last night to watch the most random FIBA World Cup games on, on TV, but you know what? If I take control of the uh, remote, it's, it's not, 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 not my fault if it magically <laughs> finds its way to basketball. So we'll get to the FIBA World Cup in a second. There's some sad news if you're catching us at the top of the show. Australia not moving forward in the World Cup after the bronze medal in the Tokyo Olympic Games. We'll get there, but first, we are the NBA recap show. There's a handful of NBA news that's happened um, around the league. Nothing really major. So I'm going to list off the six or seven things that have really piqued my interest this week. Uh, we'll spend 10 minutes across the seven, Yuri and Tom. You flag anything to me you want to talk about. There is a couple of Bucks things in here, Yuri, and there's one Celtics player coming your way, Tom. So first, we'll start with the Bucks. Um, they signed and waived 22-year-old Alex Atentacumpo. Uh the reason they would do this to Giannis's brother is to keep his G League rights and pay him sneaky under the table. So I think he makes about $100,000 Australian if he plays or he stays with that team 60 days. They did this last year. Um, the Bucks are kind of loading up on periphery plays for their squad. So they also went out and signed 6'10 forward Drew Tim. He's a four-year player out of Gonzaga. Uh, last year as a senior, I think he averaged, I've gotten my notes, 21 points, seven and a half rebounds and a couple assists. And they also went and got Ty Ty Washington Jr. on a two-way deal. Uh, he was a rookie last year for the Rockets, um, played 30 games from the Rockets from memory, ended up in OKC as part of a trade uh, and got waived with them. So, Yuri, you're our Bucks head. Which of those three really stand out to you as uh, maybe the most important? They're all kind of fringe players. Alex Atetokubo is not even a fringe player, but which one do you want to talk about? I like to talk about Alex first, I think. Go ahead. I th- just the signing... I believe for the Bucks as well to get a bit more youth within their ranks because when you look at the Bucks age demographic on their list, you calculate it all up from Brooke Lopez is 35, Drew Holiday is 33, Chris Middleton is 32, Giannis turns 29 on December 6. The list goes on. I think Grayson Allen's 28 now. So it's a fairly oldish list in a way. Yeah, it's an old team. The other, yeah, apart from the other 2019s, when you compare them to average ages, it does stand out. And I think it'd be nice and seeing what Coach Adrian Griffin does this season as well with some of the rotations because this is where at various stages the criticism for Mike Budenholzer came along in spades during his time as Bucks coach that he wasn't flexible with his rotations and it pivotal times when they needed maybe just that little extra galvanization in terms of turning the momentum through their way, maybe installing a bit more youth in their side, which I think Bud probably reluctantly refused to play, even though we saw, excuse me, Marshawn Bochamp at various stages start during the season. And then sadly, his minutes basically dwindled away to the point where he basically got DMPs, which was a real sort of travesty in a way because he already shown glimpses of what he could do. So that's my reasoning why I think Alex Antonacumpo should be in the rotation. I may sound ludicrous for saying this, but they just need that extra bit of spark in a way that can just help alleviate. And 
I think it would be a good way to go because I think we've seen with the Bucks G League affiliate team, the Wisconsin herd, that there have been some promising players that have come through the ranks as well. And they've had a very good coaching system there too. Jack, Chase Buford, who used to coach the team there. Now I think it's Baino Udra, if I'm not mistaken as well, who's now the new head coach of the Wisconsin herd. So they've got a very good program there. And if players can keep performing, keep knocking down the door, then I can't see why not those opportunities do arise because it may sound a bit premature at this stage for the Bucks. But of course, Giannis's comments, people are of course going to jump to conclusions that, well, he's going to leave and all of that. But deep down inside, we talked about it last week. It's just his way of trying to get everyone on board at the same time. Because I think, again, we've seen with the Bucks over a number of seasons where they do get off to slow starts in a way. They're, of course, maybe between 10 to 13 games above 500, but they're not playing the way that they would like to play. Mm during periods of the season. But then it usually comes, what, 55 to 60 games into the season. All of a sudden, they get the motor clicking and they're right up in, say, top of the East or second in the Eastern Conference. So that's sort of my predictions around that part. But they just need a bit more of that youth and I think it wouldn't hurt whatsoever to have it. Tom, I'm throwing you under the bus. Did you watch any of Ty Ty Washington Jr. on the Rockets last year? I saw a very little amount, but a Rockets... Rookie that didn't get a lot of playing time last year. I think that could have some upswing for the Bucks. If you've got nothing to say, we'll move on. I threw you completely under the bus. I, I can't say I watched a lot of him, but I have to say, not a huge college basketball fan, but from what I have seen, I do like Drew Timmy. That's, a, that's an underrated pickup and could potentially go on the Mustache home Hall of Fame if he uh, gets that look <laughs> back. So one to, one to watch out for just as a character in general. All right, moving on. Uh, JaVale McGee was waived by the Dallas Mavericks and then picked up by the Kings a couple of years, uh, a couple of days later on a one-year deal. Uh, he signed a three-year, $17 million deal with the Mavs last offseason. So they'll wave and stretch that $11 million over five years, I think I saw reported. Um, so not hugely impactful for Dallas. Not really sure what the Kings are doing here. Maybe just getting some backup size. But um, Yuri, thoughts on JaVale McGee? NBA champion That's, JaVale McGee. Let me <laughs> let me keep that. <laughs> That's definitely the way the Kings are looking at it, Alex. That minus DeMarta Sabonis there and Alex Len, they are very thin in the center position. And having and I'm not a real Alex insurance. Len fan, so I, I know JaVale McGee is slower <laughs> and behind his times, but Alex Len um, could easily be an upgrade somewhere there. Definitely insurance backup too for the Kings, especially when it comes to playing the Mavs now and when it comes to playing the Lakers, when it comes to playing the Pels and just a bunch of the other Western Conference teams that are already there. The Denver Nuggets, of course, have got Nicole Jokic and backing him up as well. They played Zeke Nagy at times as well, and he showed plenty of promise as a backup center. So there are a bunch of very good five-men in the Western Conference, and I think that's where the whole first Sacramento to make sure that they don't get as crushed as badly on the boards because what DeMarcus Sabonis averaged what 12 and a half rebounds last season around there. And apart from that, those numbers kept dropping down because they had Harrison Barnes playing at the fourth spot and then eventually from three down to one with De'Aaron Fox, they eventually got a little bit shorter in the way too. And Kevin Hurd is not the strongest rebounder. So I think when you try and collaborate what the Kings have done probably for the last couple of seasons as well and bringing JaVale McGee along for the ride, I think that's going to help with rebounding because that's just so key now, especially with the number of offensive rebounds that teams are getting nowadays and those second-chance points just 
come with a premium now. Moving on to your team, Tom, the Celtics, they've signed Svi Mikhailuk to a one-year deal. Um, Baby Laker, that's how I know how to pronounce Mikhailuk, but um, he played with Charlotte last year, 10 points per game in about 23 minutes. Any thoughts on Svi? Um, yeah, look, I honestly didn't really know who he was until we signed him the other day. Look, looks to be nice. I mean, 10 points in 22 minutes isn't, isn't nothing to, you know, nothing to completely look over. It's decent. Um and, you know, it's just another name I'm going to have to remember to spell whenever I'm uh, writing about the Celtics. I mean, I thought Pozingas was going to be the hardest one, but now, now I've got this guy. So we'll see how we go. I think from memory uh, coming out, he might have been drafted by the Lakers. I'm really pushing my memory, but um, the hope was he would be a decent three-point shooter. I do know he shot 40% from three last year for the Hornets, but I don't know how many shot attempts he took. So, um, Yuri, you wanted to say something on Sfee before we move on? He also played for the Pistons in that 2019-2020 season, if I'm not mistaken, too. I think he's and played for the Knicks glimpses. and the Raptors at times as well. He's, yes. He's, he's been around. Yeah, there have been glimpses of his three-point shooting at various points, but I think he'll fit nicely in the Celtic system where threes are such a predicating emphasis that they love to use a lot and take over 40 per game, I think, if if I'm not mistaken, it's right at the top of my head. So he's he fits in well with their Celtics offensive system. I'll just have a look. Uh, career 36% shooter from the three-point line, but improved the last couple of years. So uh, 40% with Charlotte. He played 13 games for the Knicks and was shooting 60%. So uh, with Charlotte, shot four and a half times a game. So uh, big, tall guy who can shoot threes. Maybe that helps stretch the floor around Chris Stapps to go to work, Tom. But we're, come on. we're getting really into the nitty-gritty if we're talking about three-point percentage from Stream of Highlight. Uh, we'll end the news recap on reports that the Athletic expect that Detroit will not extend Killian Hayes' rookie extension for the Pistons. I think that's good news for our friend of the show, Jack Brophy. He's the only Pistons fan I know. Nobody really knows what to do with Killian Hayes, but um, any points there, either of you, or we'll move on to the FIBA World Cup. Yeah, it's a tough situation for him to be in, Alex, and only, I think it was the start of 2021 season, there were pretty high hopes on what he would bring to the Pistons. Now, unfortunately, I think he did a hip injury against yep. the Bucks. It was very early in the season, and he got he was sidelined for quite a fair period of time. And then it just – I think from last season, from my memory, that there were very good glimpses that he produced and where he took over the starters role when Kate Cunningham missed the rest of the season, I think after 12 games with that shin injury and – it really took on the mantle as the team starting point guard. However, it does sort of now leave open a can of worms on his situation in the Motor City and which teams may look to acquire him potentially next season. It's hard to tell, isn't it? Like the he's, he's 21 years old, but he's only shooting 37% from the floor for his career. Last year, he shot 10 times a game, uh, six assists, but like two and a half turnovers a game. So it's it's a positive ratio, but it's... Nothing's jumping out at you. And it's in Detroit too, where they desperately need someone to play, make around Cade Cuttingham. They've got a couple young guys who might be fighting for minutes. Tom, I don't know if you've got anything to say on Detroit or we move on to the FIBA World Cup. No, I think if we spend any more time talking about Killian Hayes, we officially become his number one fan. So I think we've got to keep rolling. Yeah, that, that's up for grabs. I think Kevin O'Connor's dropped him. So <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> so uh, FIBA World Cup, if you're listening to this, it's probably right at the end of the second round. We're recording uh, towards the end of the second round. Um, so first group stages are done. 
Uh, the two top teams from each of those groups move on to four groups of four. Uh, we know about half of the teams moving on, and then the remaining games are tonight with uh, quarterfinals starting Tuesday Australian time. I'm going to run through each of the groups that remain uh, and those who are still at risk of dropping out uh, or some performances. Feel free to stick a hand up and jump in anything interesting. So group I, uh, this one is still wide open, this group. So everybody here is still on seven points of qualification. Group I consists of Serbia, the Dominican Republic, Italy, and Puerto Rico. Uh, Strangely enough, um, Serbia plays the Dominican Republic tonight and Italy plays Puerto Rico. The winners of each of those games will go through. Um, Serbia's been playing really well. Obviously, no Nikola Jokic for them. We've talked about that before. I can't remember if Carl Anthony Towns is from the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico. Those two blended in my mind, but he's been playing fairly good for most of those games. He had a, a bad stretch of one and a half games. Anyone want to talk about either of those four teams in Group I? Uh, I haven't sort of covered too much and seen much of the Dominican Republic and Italy in that, Alex. I think there's probably one thing I do want to cover, and I was watching this game on Friday between USA and Montenegro mm-hmm. from start to finish, and that was pretty full-on intensity throughout. I think Montenegro's rebounding as well was a big key. Nikola Vucevic had those couple of early offensive rebounds and a tip in there, and it looked as though they really stifled the U.S. out of their offensive rhythm, and there was basically various stages during the game where it looked as though the Americans would cruise away. They were five, seven points cleared at various points, but they kept chipping away and they kept pounding the ball inside Montenegro, looked for those open driving lanes, which served them extremely well. And it was probably not until what the final minutes and a half, two minutes where Austin Reeves hit that three-pointer to ultimately break the back. But they shouldn't be too disheartened by the performance, Montenegro. It was ultimately the turnovers which butchered them in the end. I think they had 21 in total. And you, you don't win many games of basketball committing more than 15 turnovers. You have to limit that down to, say, 10 to 12 to give yourselves every chance of winning. But I think, the yeah, the rebounding part for them was always going to be a big key as well. But the USA, with just some of those elite passes, right? Do you, do you remember that? Alley-oop, I think that Tyrese Halliburton fed off to Paolo Bancaro. There's been a couple of really good-looking yeah. plays. So let's, I'll just put a pin in it for a second. So we'll move on to Group J. Uh, we can come back, Tom, if you wanted to talk about Group I. But Group J is the USA, Montenegro, Lithuania, and the Greece, those match up. This one's wrapped up. So the USA and the Lithuanian team will move through. I think there's uh, two more games tonight making, like, running out the final seedings for this group. But Montenegro and Greece not moving on. Um, we'll stick on the USA because they've been very impressive in bursts. Um, they've let a couple of teams hang around them. Y- you were saying their second unit with Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton, excuse me, Yuri, is almost more impressive than the first unit. There's some really good connections like that alley-oop you mentioned. Tom, have you watched a lot of USA basketball? Um, I haven't watched a whole lot, but uh, one thing that I am very concerned about with this team is Brandon Ingram's performance. Yeah. And, you know, I know he's one of those baby Lakers that you, you quite, I love quite, quite fond of, Alex, but... Two points, five rebounds, three assists in 15 minutes versus Montenegro. I mean, he had two turnovers as well. It's just, I don't know. I, I kind of came into this tournament thinking that he was kind of going to be the guy. I mean, he's older than most of these players. He's kind of like that Kevin Durant architect where we've seen, you know, Durant be the top Olympic scorer for USA. You kind of thought Ingram was going to sort of be that guy to take that mantle um, in this World Cup, and he just hasn't. And he, you know, uh, there was a comment the other day where he said he wasn't too happy, you know, being moved to the bench and whatnot. But 
I don't know. I'm just worried. I, I, I feel like we kind of get our hopes up every year with Ingram and then he has that stretch where he's really good and then all of a sudden he just sort of comes back down to earth and he just doesn't keep the momentum going. Yeah, I'll defend him for a bit. It, it is tough for him. I think he's trying to come in and be the guy and he's not on this team. Anthony Edwards is the guy and they've got a lot of other really great role players like your Austin Reeves. Tyrus Harrell, but it's not a role player, but filling a role for this team, whereas Ingram, from what I saw, didn't really see to fit in. If they wanted him to be a spot-up shooter, he could. He's improved, but he's not been doing that. Um, at the end of last season, and this might be a little hot take, I thought he deserved a mention in the MVP conversation for the best performer of the last six weeks. He improved dramatically at the end of last season. I'm not so worried if I'm a Pelicans fan about Ingham coming back to the NBA this season, but you are. it's something to note. I think you're right there, Tom. Yeah, I'm I just a little worried. And then on the topic of Lakers, I mean, Austin Reeves, he, he looks... Very good. I mean, yeah. he kind of came out in the playoffs and everyone was kind of like, oh, hold on. He's not just a, a novelty sort of guy. He's Another white guy, basketball. point guard, killing it for the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's pigeonhole exactly. him. Yeah. But yeah, he literally. has been really good. You're right. Yeah. And I mean, I, no one hates the Lakers more than me, but even I have to go like, I'm, I'm really liking this guy, but not to, not to be a Debbie Downer, but maybe we do need to just, just, just halt a little bit because there are people going around being like, you know, He's going to be the Lakers' like third best player. He might even be the second best, you know, on nights. I mean, the rumor is on. I'm not sure if you guys are big 2K uh, fans. I'm not huge, but I know how the ratings work, and they give him an 82, which is kind of high for considering there are a lot of players. I mean, even just my Celtics, I don't even think Al Horford's an 82. So, like, uh, I mean, let's just wait and see what he does in the NBA. I mean, it's all great to do this against Montenegro, but you know, when you're going up <laughs> in the NBA, in the NBA, it's a bit different. I think he averaged 20 points a game over like a 20-game stretch blending into the postseason. I'm just trying to push our mind back to when we were recording three months ago, but really improved at the end of last season. Steal of a contract, four years, 50-something million too. So, um, all right, let's move on to Group K. I'm pretty sure as I scroll down my document, that's the Australian group. And it is. This one's wrapped up, unfortunately. There is a couple more games, but no one else is changing seedings. Germany and Slovenia will advance after Slovenia beat Australia. Um, and Georgia, the other team in there. Um, I'm really depressed. (laughs) Uh I stayed up really late on Friday to watch this Australian team, and um, I think we had some reservations moving into the tournament about size of the five and shooting. Um, I might throw to Yuri and Tom, and then I, if you guys don't hit on what I saw, we can talk about it some more. But it is a disappointing outcome for Australia. Third place at the Olympics, the first ever bronze medal. They've never uh, medaled at the World Cup, and that's definitely their goal. Um, on their good day, I mean, they showed against Japan, who was a smaller size, but they showed they've got some stuff. Even the game against Germany, where they lost by three, you go, okay, I can see some stuff, but maybe there's some strange rotations from Brian Gorgian, the coach, who I think might be in a bit of trouble. Um, Joe Ingalls is looking old. Oh, Tom, you go first, then Yuri, then we'll come back to me, and then we can all cry together. Well, look, I'll, I'll just hit on. Let's go. Let's do a bit positive on this for once. I'll be. I'll be a light uh, for once. Josh Giddy is just insane. Yeah. I mean, he's insane. I mean, twenty-five points, eight rebounds, four assists, uh, going up against Luca and Slovenia the other night. Um, uh, you know, before we started recording, I sent you guys that uh, quick video of that assist that he had uh, with sixty seconds left in the second quarter. One, what a play design! I mean, Nick Kay sets the screen on the right elbow. Mills sort of runs into open space and then Giddy just hits it before Mills is even there. And it's like a one-arm like, zip pass. It's crazy. Oh, one-arm zip pass. It's nuts. And it's it's like an NFL sort of pass, just hitting the receiver in, in stride. It was crazy. 
Um, and you know, I reckon that's probably been the second most watched highlight I've seen. And I've watched in the NBA maybe the last few months. I mean, Derek White doesn't beat a game winner against <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. I've probably watched that thing. I mean, that's probably just like ingrained on my phone. I've watched that so many times. But look, Giddy's ceiling. I like. I I kind of said it maybe a year ago, thinking he's going to be like a fringe all star kind of point guard. I think he has potential mm. to be not like outstanding hall. Hall of Fame, like legendary stuff, but I think he could make the Hall of Fame. I think he could be a genuinely like great guy, great player if we so if he gets surrounded by you know the right pieces and running an offense. I think is what he's gonna have to do in his career. And I think you know SGA might be moved to the two guard this season to let Giddy sort of run the show a bit. But I've been on this for a while with OKC, and it's honestly I'm getting frustrated with them. They got to go now. They they just can't sit back and go. We're going to sit on our picks and wait with this out, wait out this rebuild and keep going because they only have three players making over fifteen mil on their roster, and it's SGA, it's Davis Bertans, and it's Lou Dort. Mm. And what's the point of waiting? They have the picks. They have assets of players that aren't going to be their top three, four, five guys, but are definitely trade assets, and they can easily create the cap space. And look, I'm going to bring this back to my old favorite team, of course, but. The 2018 Celtics, right? They lost Kyrie and Hayward in the playoffs. And it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, I mean, the Bucs even tried, got, got the seven seed on purpose so they could play the Celtics in the first round. But when you look at their team, right, they had Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, all on rookie contracts, which then allowed them to have Marcus Morris, Al Horford, Aaron Baines just coming in. And then they were like people like Tice and Greg Monroe and Shane Larkin, who was the EuroLeague MVP, I think, at one stage, didn't even get minutes because this team was so deep because they had all these guys on rookie contracts and the only players who were really making big money were Kyrie, Hayward, and Horford, and they lost two of them. And I feel like OKC could genuinely do this with their roster if they were able to trade for a nice piece. And I mean, Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated was on a podcast saying, watch out for OKC. If they win maybe 60% of their first games up until the trade deadline, they might be a sneaky team who just goes, screw it, let's trade the house for Damian Lillard if he's still available. I don't think he will be. Um, But... I just I think it's better to peak early than than late or maybe even ever. I mean, who's, there's no guarantees in the NBA. I mean, someone could do their Achilles tomorrow and it could be all over and this rebuild's done. And look, when I really think about it, if you actually look at the West, like Denver's probably the lock. Like I think unless Jokic just completely stops caring about basketball, you have to say Denver's Which probably is a, a possibility. Yeah. It's a possibility. You never know, but. <laughs> You'd have to say he's like Denver's a lock, and unless someone gets injured again, they're probably going to be a top two seeded team. But then you go down the list: Suns. I mean, Katie's always been injured the last few years, and how has this new you know core going to gel? We don't know. Memphis. I mean, Jar's got that twenty five game suspension. They've sort of got to merge uh, gel a bit as well with Smart coming in. Sacramento kind of feels a bit like a regular season team. The Clippers injury history. We don't need to go into that. Golden State with CP three coming in. And then they've also got health concerns. I mean, Curry, Clay, Dre, Wiggins, like you never know. Lakers, LeBron's older, 80s health. Again, Timberwolves, who bloody knows with them. And then the Pelicans, Zion's health. I mean, Ingram, you never really know. And Dallas as well. Like the West is just open. Like there's no real concrete, like these are your two top two teams. Whereas the East, you got the Bucks, you got the Celtics, you got Philly, maybe, probably not anymore. But, and then you got the Heat and stuff like that. So I just, for me, and I'm going to probably be harping on about this for ages, but for, I'm OKC. Put your chips in the middle. There's no point walking away from the table with, you know, these draft picks in your pocket going, oh, well, maybe we'll draft someone good. Just to linger on Josh Giddy before I flip it back over to you, Mr. Bilsich, 
Um, his shot was falling in that Japan game too. He had a couple of nice mid-range uh, push shots, maybe I'll call them, and then a deep three to really push it out of range from Japan. Who He wouldn't go away. He had a deep three to put him up 18 with a couple to go. If that starts to fall in OKC, I think the sky's the limit. I'm not going to call him a Hall of Famer, Tom, but, you know, that's the skill set that might get you there with 12 to 14 years in the NBA. Yuri, thoughts on you can start with Josh Giddy or you can start anywhere on Group K. I think throughout the tournament, Alex, and this has been a real issue for them, which has ultimately cost the boomers, but it was slow starts yes. out of the gates. And it didn't hurt them against Finland because they, were, they came back and won by over 15, uh, by memory, out of the top of my head, only a couple of Fridays ago. But with Germany, which they let slip the first eight points of the game, yep. and against Slovenia, which they found themselves, I think, 10-4 down at one point, and... It was those issues, and I think one thing they did well early on was trapping Luka Doncic. They did the very top, well at yes. the top, at the top of the arc to make to get the ball out of his hands. But the problem is, they sort of went away from that. As well, the he game got went into, on. It was strange because Luka yeah. found himself a little bit in foul trouble, so he got some limited court time. I think he shot four of nine, right? So most nights, if you concede four of nine to Luka, you'd be happy. But because they were doubling him, <laughs> the, the motion offense for Slovenia was just wide open. There were guys hitting shots that I have never heard of before. Yeah. But fair play to them. Oh, and Mike Toby as well, their center killed the boomers yeah, on the did, boards, yeah. man. That first quarter, I think he had 13 points or something. It's the like, size problem again. Two, yeah, two or three offensive rebounds. And he was everywhere. And he hit that vital three at one point. And when you talk about throughout the tournament, Alex, with the Boomers and that lack of size, they had Xavier Cooks playing on him in the first quarter and he got by him for a plus one yeah. in that first quarter on the, the right baseline where he drove by Cooks and Cooks was complaining to the referee about a pushing off with the elbow. But that when you look at that, because I think Mike Toby's, what, seven foot, seven one around there. and He's taller than Xavier Cooks yes, by a while. That's all I know. He is, yeah. <laughs> That's what I saw watching the highlights and watching the game on Friday that – his strength around the basket and be able to stretch him out on the perimeter was so evident. And yeah. that's where, especially you mentioned with Slovenia's other sharpshooters as well. And I was trying to remember their sixth man. His name's completely disappeared out of my head. But I think he got his first three-pointer going and he was sensational right throughout. And I think that's where... Their biggest offensive weapons are Alex with Slovenia. They got exceptional three point shooters. I think Zoran Dragic had a very good start early in the game too. And is it Prepolik you're talking about? Yeah, Prepolik. Yeah. He was yeah. He's been pretty good throughout the tournament as well. He had like 20 points against Cape Verde as well. He, he's yeah, yeah. Uh, Slovenia impressed by a lot. Um, if you don't know the history between Australia and Slovenia, we beat them in the um, bronze medal game in the Olympics. So I thought, okay, Paddy Mills had 42 that game. They're not going to let him score 42 again. And um, Unfortunately for us, that's what happened. The The silver lining is New Zealand lost uh, so many games. Australia became the automatic qualifier from Oceania for the Olympic Games. So even though we don't progress any further in the tournament, we will be at the Olympics and there's only 12 teams there instead of 32. So that feels a little bit good. Another silver lining before I move on, and this one's just to me. Dennis Schroeder's been playing really good. I'm a Raptors fan, if you don't know, and we signed him and I was pretty critical about that, but he's been playing really good. So I feel good. I feel great, guys. Moving yeah, on. He's, <laughs> Go oh, ahead. Sorry, no, Alex. No. Yeah. No, I think he'll be a very good pickup for them because we've seen him be the start as well in Atlanta, I think back in 2016-17, and him and Dwight Howard worked pretty well with one another. Mm. So I think it's going to be a real fascinating 
part to the Raptors' puzzle this season with what he does with Pascal Siakam there and Scotty Barnes and Yucca Pirtle. It's still going to be interesting some of the plays that they'll run with all four of those guys. I've got no idea what the Raptors are going to do this year. Yeah. Uh, don't ask Don't ask me to predict. Don't ask me <laughs> to guess over-unders. I've got nothing. Um, moving on to Group L, this is what I called the Group of Death. Um, Brazil had a surprise victory over the defending champions and the first-ranked Espanol Spanish men's team. Um, even though they're out, uh, Brazil, excuse me, uh, without uh, their point guard, Raul Nato, he tore his patella tendon. Um, so because of that upset, all of the like fixtures are still up for grabs. We've got Canada, Spain, Brazil, Latvia, all tied on seven points. So uh, tonight, Canada plays Spain and Brazil plays Latvia. The winner from each of those teams move on. You know, Latvia's in their first ever World Cup without Kristaps Porzingis as well. So they've been playing really well. Canada against Spain is a huge game, which I'm not sure what time that's going to be on. I'm just looking really quickly to see. If you're listening on Sunday in Australia, Canada versus Spain, 11.30. That's a late game. Um, that'll be... Maybe game of the tournament so far. That's a highly ranked game. Anyone want to touch on Canada, Brazil, Spain, or Latvia? Yeah, I was watching the highlights this morning, Alex, of the Brazil-Canada game. And normally the Brazilians, they mentioned in commentary about wanting to push the pace, but they completely reverted to the opposite direction in terms of their tempo in the offensive end. They wanted to use as much shot, shot clock as they could. And it was a very low-scoring really, game. Yeah, it was 65-69. It was, I think at one point with we 5.50 left in the first quarter, I think the scores were five apiece and because both teams have missed so many shots early going. And the Canadians, of course, love to push the ball up the floor. Of course, Shea Gilgis-Alexander there, Dylan Brooks, Kelly Olynyk, Just they couldn't get anything going. It was only spurts, right, Alex, during the game where they managed to get into that offensive flow and were able to push pace when those transition opportunities presented itself but that was full credit to what brazil did offense um defensively shall i say and really clogging up the paint and making it as difficult as possible for the canadians and when you look at the end score 68 to 65 and both teams shoot pretty sure less than 45 percent from the floor you go and give yourselves every chance of winning and i think it was a completely well devised game plan that they came up with because i think if Canada are able to get away to, say, 10, 15-point lead at one point and then Brazil would have to change course and alter with its game plan and look to try and create as many fast-break opportunities as possible and try and use the shot clock a bit early instead of being at the final three, four seconds, then they probably wouldn't be able to keep pace up with the Canadians for the entire 40 minutes. But that was a full credit to what they did right throughout and to make an absolute grind back to what the 1990s. Yeah, big surprise because we would all know there's lots of Canadians in the NBA. I'm looking at the Brazilian roster and Tom, I don't know if you've had a look, just Google really quickly, FIBA World Cup Brazilian roster. (laughs) There's one guy in there I recognize with NBA experience and there's another with G League experience. So uh, former Raptor Bruno Caboclo, 19 points, 13 rebounds against Canada. Uh, Guy Santos is the other one. I think he played a fair bit in the summer league. Yuri, is it anyone else? Oh, yes. Yes, there's one name you just mentioned about the Brazilian roster for the tournament, Alex. Tim Suarez, championship player for the Sydney Kings. He was their starting center last season. Okay, there you go. The the uh, the basketball encyclopedia inside Yuri's brain doesn't just <laughs> exist in NBA terms. It also has an addendum for the NBL. Tom, do you know any of these players? Good on them. Like, I didn't watch this game. I only caught the highlights. Um, and yeah. 
I don't think we should linger any further on this. <laughs> no, I, the show's I gone off the rails. Yeah, the show's gone off the rails. <laughs> if I'm talking no. about Bruno Caboclo, the show has gone off the rails. Yeah, I can't say I do know any of those uh, many of those players, but uh, look, they 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 obviously did well to beat Canada. Um, and look, I'll give you guys just a quick quick hot take uh, to round out the Canada talk. Uh, I think the 2019 NBA draft, the top three could quite possibly be the biggest like difference between expectations and reality because Zion's been a letdown. Jar now, all his stuff off the court is just so disappointing. And RJ Barrett, I mean, five points against Brazil, like he's supposed to be, you know, one of the up and coming talents. He was supposed to be like the third guy in this draft and then it was supposed to be a big gap, but you know. Looking at the draft now, you'd have to say like Darius Garland's probably been the most consistent guy out of anyone at the moment. Yeah, Barrett's shown flashes, particularly early in this World Cup. He had a couple of really good games, even in the um, the warm up games. He had like a thirty four point game. So I'm not all out on Barrett. I'm not a big fan, but he, up until this game, he had an okay World Cup. Um, okay, so that rounds out the groups in the World Cup. There's a couple other teams we have to mention. Um, Japan and South Sudan have also qualified for the Olympics. Um, Great on Japan from their showing as a host nation in 2020 and then coming through. Um, South Sudan, also the country itself, is only 11 years old. Their first FIBA World Cup. Um, they have two NBA players in Wenyan Gabriel who played 60-odd games for the Lakers last year and Carlick Jones. I think he's still with the Bulls. Um, Jones tied the single-game assist record in a FIBA World Cup against Angola with 15, and I have yet to watch a single second of that, so I'm going to go back and pay attention. But that's the South Sudan side. Um, very fun every game I've watched when they play. Uh, Australia qualified, and France is the host nation of the 2024 Olympics, so they have an automatic qualification, even though they've been terrible <laughs> this World Cup. Um, Tom, I know you want to talk about France a bit, and then Yuri, you can jump in as well, but this French team, ugh. Yeah, sacre bleu is just uh, <laughs> nice, to, nice to see my two years of uh, learning French in school have paid off for something. Um, well, I'll say, yeah, that's about all I got. Uh, yeah, jump uh, that's about it. Uh, look, it's, look, look my, my, my French is, you know, rubbish. The France team just as equally as rubbish in this World Cup. Wonderful it job there. Just, great segue. Oh, yeah, great segue. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's what I do. Uh, look, it's just horrendous. I, you know, I mean... Obviously, they're going to have Wemby at the next uh, World Cup, which will change a few things. And but you know, Rudy Gobert, wow, nine points, seven rebounds, two assists, two blocks. Only took one field goal. I mean, he did get to the line eight times, but still, like one field goal, it was just horrendous. And you know, we saw all these videos of him doing three point shooting before the tournament and in practice and everything, and you know, hasn't done anything and. You know what it sounds like, Tom? Sorry to interrupt you. It sounds like when I play in my lowest league division on Wednesday nights up in Townsville, I can't shoot. Guess how many times I shoot a game? Once a game. Guess how many threes I launch before the game? Seven or eight. I have the exact same skill set as Ruby Gobert, and I am terrible. That's exactly what it sounds like. No, I'd, I'd trade for four first-round picks for you, Alex. So Thanks. Don't I, worry. I, I'm- I got the block in my back pocket. I'm 6'2". I'm a sneaky yeah. jumper. Yeah. Oh, but it's just, you know... I, if I was like the NBA commissioner, I'd make a rule, and that's that players who just put up these highlight reels and videos of them in the off season and then come to the season and don't do anything are allowed to get fined. And I'm talking about Ben Simmons here specifically, but but Rudy Gobert's getting into that category as well. Like I'm so over it. You know, it'd be like if you, you know during the week I sent you guys all these highlights of me typing away all these notes and and you know warming up my voice on the microphone, and, and I got up here and you guys asked me a basketball question. I said, oh yeah, they played okay. 
It was an interesting game. <laughs> and that's it. I'm sick of it, guys. Like, just come on. Don't hype yourselves up in this and then del- not even deliver. I mean, Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, come on, guys. And I mean, I- every time I look at Rudy Gobert's contract, I just, I-, I go a bit crazy. 41 mil next season, 43 million the season after. And uh, look, I have a feeling you might pick up the 46.6 million player option the season <laughs> after that. But. It's just, it's crazy. And then when you look at Carl Anthony Towns scoring 39 points, 10 rebounds, two blocks the other day, and nine from nine from the line, I mean, why did they trade for Gobert? Why did they trade four first-round picks plus a pick swap for Gobert? I don't know. I, I, I'm i losing my sanity over this trade every day, I think. I think the Timberwolves are going to be very interesting to watch next year. I mean, they did give the Nuggets a bit of a hard time in that Western Conference. I want to say first round. It could have been the second round. But um I've got nothing to add, Tom. You hit on all of my frustration. You did. You got anything else? Because I can, I could wrap up the show today. That's it's a sad note to end on, but that could be it. There was one comment by Evan Fournier when he was asked about the difference between world champions and I think NBA champion. Because right when an NBA side, say last season, Denver Nuggets won the title and they called themselves the world champions, and he didn't really buy into that term that if an NBA champion gets that title world champions, because it doesn't really make sense that description point where a team ultimately wins the prize, right? Because it's only one part of the league. It's not as though you're at the FIBA Basketball World Cup or at the Olympics where you can call yourselves a world champion. So that is something that needs to be reclassified better next season when it does come to the next NBA side winning a championship, right? Because look at cricket. You don't see in terms of, say, I'll put it this way and say domestic cricket and say Sheffield Shield or what they used to call, they used to call one of the tournaments the Pura Cup, I think, back in the mid-2000s. You didn't see either WA, Western Australia, oh, I, yeah, Western Australia, Tasmania, Queensland or South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria calling themselves world champions, right? So that doesn't exist in any other sporting code apart from the NBA basketball where you can call yourselves a world champion and that doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm, I'm going to refute this one a bit and I, I will admit there was a uh, bit of a heated debate with my non-basketball fans last night over a few uh, whiskey cocktails and whatnot. I won't get as heated as I did last night but look, so it happened because a, a track athlete um, at their world championships, Noah Lyles, said, you know, these NBA guys call themselves world champions. It's ridiculous. Look, it is a little bit ridiculous, but the NFL do it, and that's ridiculous because the NFL is an American sport and only America plays it. And Canadians, you know, there's a Canadian league. Don't sleep Canadian, on the CFL. Yeah, yeah, the CFL is it's it's high level stuff. I think all two fans in the stands really appreciate it every weekend. Um, but no, look, the NBA is the best basketball league in the world. I mean, if you win it, you technically are the best team in the world. And should you call yourself world champions? Like, not really. But if any sport's going to do it, they're the ones. Really, I mean. If AFL came out and said we're the world champions of AFL, like that'd just be ridiculous because it's an only Australian sport. If an NRL team came out and said we're the best team in the world, it's a little different. I still think it's a little bit ridiculous, but like it's got a little bit of merit on it. But if an NBA team, I mean, if you can find me an NBA team that can beat the Denver Nuggets in seven games at the moment uh, in the world, I'll be surprised. That's why I'm. I could spend hours talking about this and a part of my host's uh, responsibility as host is to end these conversations when I can spend an hour talking about them. But I just want to talk about one thing. We should, and tell me if I'm far-fetched out of this, the All-Star Weekend should have the defending NBA champions against the champions of the EuroLeague. 
the team who wins that game is the world champions. We do that in the NRL. The NRL team from Australia who wins plays uh, the English team in the Intrust Super. I don't know what that's called. I've totally flubbed that. Why can't we do that in the All-Star game? I think it'd be good for a change, right? Bring one of the Euro teams across and... Adam Silva, employ me. Yeah, and just completely scrap the All-Star voting and not say to have the East and Western Conference, but to just vote the best players right throughout and then play them up against one of the Euro sides. How good would that be? Mm. I'll let yeah. that simmer. Maybe we can talk about it more next week. Tom, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we've got we've we've got this now. This idea we're going to find Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert. We're, we're going places, guys. Next minute, we're going to solve world peace next week, guys. So, so come back next week. That's that's for sure. I've got an idea about that too. But uh, look, we'll end on a positive note, and I get to choose because I'm the host. Baby Laker Jordan Clarkson. I don't know if you saw against uh, China, but his Philippines. He had 22 points in a row for China, including five long-range bombs, like back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. I just want to shout out Jordan Clarkson, man. He's sitting on Utah. He's just waiting for an opportunity. Utah probably aren't going to be good this year, but shout out to my baby Lakers, Jordan Clarkson. That's it. That's the show. Let's go. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks, Alex. Uh, Look, next week, by the time you hear this, we're going to have one game left in the FIBA World Cup. I think all of us are backing the US to go all the way. And as best I can tell, that means one of the following eight teams will be playing them in the final. So I'll get your predictions, Tom, and then Yuri. So one of these eight teams, Slovenia, actually, it'll only be one of these four teams, excuse me, Slovenia, Germany, Canada, Spain, Brazil, Latvia, six teams. Who's playing USA in the final? Oh, good question, Alex. Just from what I've seen, I feel as though it'll probably be Canada. I think that's the most funny outcome. Yeah, you think that would be number one. But, however, Slovenia could well be in the final, just with the weapons that they possess, Alex, not just in the interior, but with their three-point shooting as we spoke about as we reviewed the Boomers game from Friday night. They also have, of course, apart from Luka Doncic, and also we mentioned with Mike Toby as well, those weapons – all across the floor, and they're well coached too. Yeah. Tom, who's playing the US in the final uh, this time next week? I said Canada at the start. I'll go with Canada still. I just, SGA, I reckon they can carry them. And, you know, maybe RJ Barrett can chip in more than five points and see where they go. Big brother, little brother sounds fun. You finished the show for us. Oh, and Dylan Brooks too. Will we oh, see why'd you bring up Dylan Brooks? <laughs> we almost went a full show without mentioning Dylan Brooks. He's, he's, he's another player on my fine list. Yeah, I, I'm we should, waiting for the next bit in the final if they play the USA. Next antagonist move he's got to put up. This finalist, Tom, is a brilliant idea. I'm going to institute it on the show. If you bring up Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert, or Dylan, or Dylan Brooks, I'm finding you. <laughs> All right, I'll leave uh, it there. Yeah, that's, we've got well off the rails today. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the NBA Recap Show. I'll be back this time next week before the last game of the FIBA World Cup. Um, if you're still here, please consider rating the show. You can find Yuri and Tom's stuff in the show notes. I'm Alexander J. That's been Yuri Bilsic. That's been Mr. Tom Dev. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Cheers, Alex. Alex.